But, and by the way, you know, when a preacher names a message, it's just because you've got to have something to put on the CD, you know. So you, you give it some kind of name and you, you go with that. Um, but let's, let's look together at Psalm 121. Let's all stand as we read Psalm 121. Psalm 121, beginning at verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let us pray. Our Father, we stand before you today in humility as we consider the words we just read and realize that you, the great Creator God, care about us. You love us. You provide for us. You protect us. And how foolish we are when we stand in your presence as we do and we doubt and we worry and we fear. For you have already promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Your word says you will preserve our going out and our coming in forevermore. So today, Heavenly Father, as we preach this message, I pray that you would strengthen our hearts, that you would give us a resolve, that you would help to remind us that we are safely in your hands. Thank you for this time. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and minds, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Psalm 121 is an interesting psalm. I've heard many preachers preach from this psalm and, and, and use verse 1 as a launching pad to talk about the help of the Lord. But actually, verse 1 is, is translated into the Old English, but in its original language and context, it actually would be read this way. Shall I lift up mine eyes to the hills? Whence should my help come? And then in verse 2, he states, My help cometh. From the Lord. In the, in the days of, of Israel, the battles were normally set between two hills, and in the valley is where the armies would go to, to battle and, 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 and have their, their confrontations. And the heathens often looked to the hills for their, for their gods to come and deliver them. And the psalmist here is stating, My help doesn't come from the hills, my help comes from the Lord. And it's important that you and I remember that. Far too many people are running around this country trying to answer all their problems. Far too many people are running around and they're saying, Oh, I need to go live in this area over here because it's cheaper to live and I can go live there. And I won't have any problems. But let me tell you, yes, you will. Trouble always follows God's people. Doesn't matter where you're living. And by the way, my help doesn't come from the hills. My help doesn't come from the economy in another state. My help comes from the Lord. My checkbook is balanced by Jesus Christ. Now, I don't, I don't mean that uh, he deposits money for me. <laughs> I'm 
Don't get me wrong. When I was a young boy, well, actually a teenager, uh, my daddy had a shrimp boat. And my daddy liked to go shrimping. I didn't like to go shrimping. I never, you know, a teenage boy, the last thing you want to do is go out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico and tug on a net all day long. You just don't want to do that. But dad loved to shrimp. So we went shrimping. And I was so happy that day we went shrimping that we didn't catch any shrimp. How many of you have seen Forrest Gump? Huh? When he opens the net and two shrimp fall out and he goes, man, this is hard work. Well, that was us that day. I was so happy because that meant we were going home. And we were going home. We were tootling down in the boat. We were heading home. And all of a sudden, my daddy ran into an old friend of his who had a big shrimp boat. And uh, he pulled over and he told my daddy, he said, well, you're in the wrong spot. I'm going to take you where the shrimp are. And I was going, Shh, no, don't say that. But sure enough, we went. And we were going to stay overnight. Last thing I wanted to do on a Friday night as a teenager was be stuck on a shrimp boat with my daddy and my brother-in-law. That was not exciting or thrilling. But we did. And my dad's friend, he had a large boat and he had several sleeping berths. So my dad decided that he and one of my brother-in-laws were going to sleep on there. And myself and my other brother-in-law were going to sleep in my dad's boat to take care of it. I didn't like that arrangement at all. I thought we should have voted. But dad said there is no democracy in his world. So he put my brother-in-law and I in the boat. We laid down and went to sleep. And it was a windy night, so the boat was rocking real nice. And we had a fan going, so the, 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 the drone of the fan and the rock of the boat lulled me off into a very, very deep sleep. And as we were sleeping, the rope on the back of the boat was rubbing, 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 and it cut. And we drifted off. We were awakened by the sudden bang and thrashing of the boat as it was being tossed to and fro in the midst of a, of a huge drilling platform. We came out of a sleep, jumped on the back deck, and realized we were lost, had no idea where we were. There was a man standing up there, looked down at me and said, you can't stay there. I looked up at him and said, I don't want to be here. We managed to get the boat out of there, and, and I asked him, I said, which way is land? And he pointed, and I said, thanks, and we took off. And we were in total darkness, pitch black, lost, no idea where we were. Suddenly, I started seeing real dark spots, and I, I thought, what are those? And all of a sudden, I realized it was some, what, what they call floating marshes. So I gunned the motor, and I put us up right on top of one of those, and I said, all right, we're going to stay here till daylight, and then we'll figure out what's going on. I don't have to tell you how scared I was. I was a young man. I was scared. I wasn't sure I'd ever see my mom again. I thought I was going to die right there. After I got saved, one day I started thinking about that story, and, and I, I realized I learned some spiritual lessons from that experience. And I want to share those with you with the time we have this morning. I believe I understand now why the Lord wanted me to preach this message today. I didn't know a month ago when I was selecting this message what today's circumstances would be, but I believe I know now. So I want you to listen to me as we teach this message, as I preach this message. First thing I want you to know, number one, is this. The storms will come. Everyone in this room, you are either in the middle of a storm, you've just come through a storm, or you're heading into one. But trust me when I say the storms will come. They may be financial, they may be physical, they may be emotional, but come they will. Trouble is always just around the corner. It comes in many shapes and sizes, but come it will. Matthew eighteen seven. 
Jesus stated, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Sometimes storms come because of our disobedience. Think of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 4, where we read, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof. Sin, by the way, disobedience always costs you a price. He paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And sometimes we, get, we encounter storms because of our disobedience, as Jonah did. But sometimes the storms come because of our obedience. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul states, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He didn't say might suffer persecution. He didn't say could suffer persecution. He didn't even say probably will suffer persecution. He said they shall suffer. I wish that I could stand here this morning and tell you that if you decide to live a godly life, you will sail on calm seas. But I cannot. I wish that I could tell you that, uh, that, that life for a faithful believer is all joy and all happiness. But I cannot. In Matthew chapter 10, we read, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am not come to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. There are moments in this life when we find joy and happiness. However, we must remember that life is a series of sorrows, pains, and disappointments. And when they do come, we must expect them and handle them as God would have us do. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 states, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Listen, remember this. This earth is under a curse. Man is under a curse because of sin. Because of sin we die. Physically and spiritually. And we will suffer persecution. We will suffer. Even though we've done nothing wrong, we will suffer. It is our lot in life. But when we do, we are not to react with anger or bitterness. Let all, Ephesians chapter 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Kindness. When trouble comes, don't react angrily. Don't don't react bitterly. We're not to react with a vengeful nature either. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, saith the Lord. So how should we react when the storms come? Let me give you some thoughts very quickly. Letter A, pray. When a storm comes to your life, pray. When disappointment comes, pray. When distress comes, pray. When trouble comes, pray. First thing you do, pray. Matthew chapter 26, then cometh Jesus unto with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it be possible let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. The Lord here is facing his arrest in the garden. And he's praying that God's will be done. He's praying that he be, he be able to go to the cross, to the place of, of, of redemption. He's praying that nothing happens in the garden that would, that would deter him from his course and from his purpose. The first thing the Lord did in that moment was to pray. Prayer should not be the last resort. It should be the first step. You've been given a great privilege. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. First thing we ought to do is pray. That should come natural to the child of God. We have the great privilege of walking into the throne room of God with the confidence and assurance to know that he will hear our prayer. So first... When the storm comes, pray. Then secondly, letter B, wait. What? Just wait. Psalms 46, verses 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What do you do when a storm comes? You pray and then you wait. Each of you here today have a debilitating handicap. And it's called impatience. We talked about that this morning also. You want everything and you want it now. And when something happens, when trouble comes, we react. And when we react, it's often the wrong thing. You've got to learn to just wait and be patient. Learn to go to the Lord, pray about that problem, then sit back and wait and see what the Lord will do. He will send you the answer. He will give you the direction to go. Be patient and wait. Only by patience can we safely steer through the storms. Well, my daddy, we were, out, we were out there one day, and, my, and, and, and a storm blew up on us, and a big storm. I was scared to death. I mean, we were, we were looking at 18 to 20-foot seas. My daddy's boat was about 25 foot long. When he would go down into a, a trough of a wave, you'd, see nothing, you'd look up, you'd see nothing but water all around you. Then he'd come up, and he'd go down. But... My daddy never, he didn't turn straight into that thing and take off and go right into it head on. His boat couldn't have taken it. 
and he didn't tr- turn around and try to run, it would have overtaken him, and it would have, it would have swamped us, and we'd have sank. What he did was he patiently rode each wave and took each wave slowly and patiently with the boat until we steered through the storm. And we have to steer through the storms with patience. We must be patient and we must wait on the Lord. In Psalm 27 and verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When trouble comes your way, pray, then wait, and then thirdly, obey. Obey. Once the Lord shows you what, he, what you need to do, once he gives you the course of action, obey. Even if it's what you don't want to do, obey him. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 12. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Just do that which is right. Do not be deceived. We, we know the difference between right and wrong. And remember, James tells us in chapter 4 and verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When God presents us with a course of action, we obey him. But you say, wait, now wait a minute, if I do what the Lord wants me to do, I may be embarrassed. If I do what the Lord wants me to do, it may cost me more money. If I do what the Lord wants me to do, I don't care what it is, do it. If it's what the Lord tells you to do, then do it. So the first thing today I want us to remember is this, that storms will come. But then the second thing I learned that day is I learned this, that the Father is always watching. The Father is always watching. In Psalm 139, uh, I don't have time to read it, verses 1 through 10. You can go there and read it later. Uh, The Lord talks about how he searched us and knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. In the midst of my fear and trouble on that evening, I had no idea that my father was sitting on the back deck of the other boat, watching every move that we made. I didn't know that. Dad told me that he heard the rope snap. And he jumped out of bed and he ran back there, but the wind was blowing so hard that he was yelling at us, but we couldn't hear him. And the boat just drifted away. He said he watched it drift. He, He didn't take his eyes off of it. He watched it go all the way, and he saw it go into that platform, and he saw us come out and go the other way. <laughs> we went the wrong way. The guy, the guy pointed us to land, but I guess he was thinking of Florida. I don't know. Dad said he stood there, and he sat on that back deck, and he, he watched us, and he kept his eye on us, and he saw when we stopped, and he, he sat on the deck of that boat the rest of the night. He didn't sleep. He didn't slumber. And by the way, the Bible says our God will not slumber nor sleep. Dad sat on the back of that boat and he watched. He saw the light on the top of the boat. I had enough sense to keep it on all night. And he sat there and he watched that light and he knew exactly where we were. And he was going to come to our help at the right time. Oh, yes. In the midst of my fear and trouble, I didn't know that I was being watched. And often in the midst of life's turmoils, we forget that God is watching. And we forget that God is in control of everything that takes place around us. In fact, a couple of times, I even went so far as to think my dad didn't even care about me. I thought, hey, dad's over there asleep. He's probably snoring in that boat, having the sleep of his life, and we're over here fighting for ours. 
Reminds me of a story about the disciples in Mark chapter 4. We read, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? See, here I was thinking my daddy didn't care about me. He, dr- he, he drugged me out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Now he's asleep and I'm over here fighting for my life. My daddy doesn't care about me. And the disciples told Jesus in that ship, don't you even care that we're about to die? But what did he say? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. You see, my father did care. He was watching after me. And was waiting until the right moment to come and rescue me. And today, as you sit in this room with all your sorrows and worries, your Heavenly Father is watching after you. He is waiting for the right moment to come and deliver you from your present troubles. But first, we must learn to trust and depend upon Him. This is the lesson taught by Jesus to His disciples in Matthew chapter 26, where He says, Thinketh thou that I cannot now pray unto my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? We must Listen, we just need to learn to depend on the Lord and trust Him. He knows what's best for us. Even when it doesn't seem pleasant to us, even when it doesn't seem... Uh, like something we want to do. God knows what we need. And he will take care of us. God is omniscient, which means he knows all things. Let me just remind you first, God sees your actions. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, we read, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works. And charity. Listen, darkness, solitude, it makes no difference. God sees all that is done, whether it be in secret or in private. He sees the good and the bad. And in Matthew 6, 4, we read that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Listen, first, remember, God sees your actions. Secondly, remember this. Excuse me, God knows your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You can hide anything from me today by keeping it to yourself and hiding it in your heart. But remember, that hiding place is seen and known by God. At Proverbs 21, 2, we we, we quoted this in Sunday school. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondered the heart. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. The storms will come. But our Heavenly Father is always watching. And then thirdly this morning, I want you to remember this. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning.
You know, during the darkness of the night, I thought that I was eternally lost. I thought I would never see my home again. I had no idea where we were. I had no idea that my father had been watching and and waiting for the light of day to come to my rescue. I was hopeless and in despair. I sat there in the darkness of night. I sat on the back deck of that boat. My brother-in-law sitting in the front crying. He's twice my age and he's over there crying away. Of course, that's not so bad because I was crying too. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking to myself, this is it. Never going to see. They're going to find my, my decaying, rotting body. And my mom is going to have to see that. And she's going to cry. I mean, I was imagining the most horrible things you could think of. Just like we usually do when we're in the midst of trouble, don't we? When problems come along, we never, we never imagine the best case scenario. We always imagine the worst case scenario. We always look at life through the darkest possible glasses we can. But the Bible tells us that joy comes in the morning. It's amazing. We were, I was sitting there, I was, I was in despair, and all of a sudden, I saw the sun break the horizon. And with the sun came hope. It's just like with the Son of God comes hope, amen? Oh, we, 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 we go through our problems and our sorrows. And we suffer through tribulations and trials. And when we're in the middle of the darkest part of that storm, everything seems so hopeless And so we seem so helpless. But then all of a sudden on the horizon, we see the light of day. And with the light of day, with the sun comes the hope. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hey, let me tell you something. Joy always follows sorrow. How many of you have ever been sad and sorrowful? Raise your hand. At some point, didn't you once again experience joy? Joy always follows sorrow. Think about it for a moment. If we never felt sorrow, then how could we appreciate or understand joy? You can't appreciate warmth unless you've experienced cold. And you can't appreciate air conditioning unless you've experienced heat, right? See, I know none of you are in a hurry for me to finish today because we have air conditioning. (laughs) Your choice is sit in this nice 69, 70-degree room or go out there in that 90, 92-degree heat. (laughs) But if we never experienced sorrow, we would never understand or appreciate joy. Hey, think about... I don't want to scare my daughter sitting back there, but think about having a baby. Hey, ladies, while you're delivering, how many of you are saying, oh, this is so much fun. I, I think I'll do it again next week. No, it's, ah! 
Oh, my goodness, I tell you. My daddy always told me, son, there's two places a man ought to never go. He said, one of them is a beauty parlor, and the other one is a delivery room. I believe in obeying my daddy. I've never been in the delivery room. I have no intention to go in one. You guys who go in delivery rooms, you're a better man than me. I'll tell you that right now. There's no woman when she's given birth is looking forward to the next one. But wait a minute. After it's done, and they lay that little bundle on your chest, are you happy? There's joy, isn't there? Joy always follows sorrow. When we experience the death of a loved one, there's great sorrow. Great sorrow. But then that reunion day, when we meet them in heaven, there will be great joy. Joy beyond belief. When we suffer and when we go through the storms, let me tell you something. I don't know if any of you have ever been through storms on a boat. Unfortunately, I have. But I'm going to tell you, when you get through that storm, you are very happy. There is great joy. I'm telling you. Now I know why sailors used to dance on the ships. And the joy that we receive from the Lord is a joy that cannot be taken away. In John chapter 16 and verse 22, Jesus states, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. There's a joy in our hearts as believers in Christ that no man can take. That nothing can take away because no matter what we face, no matter how bleak our situation may seem, we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have joy because of that hope. And when we seem at our worst point, we, we, we look up like the prodigal son did. He came to himself and he remembered his father. And when we're in the, in the darkest part of our lives, we suddenly remember our Lord Jesus Christ and his promise to redeem us. And Paul said, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I don't know what's on my horizon. I don't know what's on your horizon. Cancer, heart attacks, car accidents. I don't, know what's, I don't know what's waiting for us on the other side. But this I know, that Jesus is coming again. And I will be with him. And I will be with him for all eternity. And that nothing can take away. When we place our hope in other than Christ, we receive a joy that is fleeting. But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, We have a joy that remains. In whom do you have hope today? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, can I tell you this? You have no hope. Your doom is is sealed. Heaven you'll never see. Hell will be your your eternal abode. You You must believe and you must receive Jesus. As Savior. If you're here today and you don't know that you're saved, when we close this service in a few moments, men will be in the back. Go to them and ask them, What do I have to do to know 
to have that joy, to have that hope in my heart. Just remember this. Our loyalties will determine our joy. In James chapter 4, James writes this, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And if we dwell as an enemy of God, joy will elude us forever. Now let's go back to Psalm 121. Let's go back and finish off where we started. Back to verse 1. And allow me to paraphrase it for you once again. Shall I lift up mine eyes to the hills? Whence should my help come? My help cometh from the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, we stand before you this morning and we stand in our faith today that we have because you gave us the faith, you redeemed us, you saved us, you promised to come again and receive us. And Lord, today we have the confidence to know this and we have the joy in our hearts we have the hope of Christ. But Lord, we are, we are feeble creatures. And we forget. And when trouble comes, we often forget about you. We forget that you're there. We forget that you're watching. We forget that you know all things. And we forget that you have already planned our rescue. So help us, Lord, today. Those of us who are facing trials or in the middle of storms, strengthen us. Help us to to trust in you and have hope. Those who are facing trials, we pray that you would help us to remember the truths that we've we've studied today. And and those of us who have come through the trials, we pray that we would rejoice in your your, uh, redemption and your deliverance. And that we would give you all the glory and the honor for all that was done. I pray, Lord, that you would take this message this morning. I pray that you would use it to strengthen us, that you would use it to encourage us. And I pray, Father, that as we leave this place, we would not leave the same way we came, but we would leave with a passion to be a witness for you, to tell all those of the hope that is in us. Thank you for this day and all those that have come. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.